This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better in Jesus' name. Enjoy. Holy Baptist Church Online, uh, whether you're live now on Sunday morning or you're catching up on YouTube later in the week, it's uh, great to have you with us. Oh, on the podcast, Pete. And on podcast. Yeah, yeah, find us where you get all your good podcasts. <laughs> My name's Neil. I'm Angie. And we're hosting this morning. It's great to have you uh, with us. Uh, coming up this morning? Coming up, it's a new sermon series. So a new sermon series, which is called, I think it's called The 90. But the 90. So it's 90 days leading up to Easter. So we're looking at the life of Jesus and sort of yep. events in Jesus' life. So that starts today. Martin is bringing us the first one. So today. Yeah. yeah. So normally if, you, if you're a regular um, watcher, um, you'll know that most of our sermon series last um, well four weeks or five oh, weeks, yeah. yeah, a month. And um, but we're starting with a new uh, three-month uh, okay. series. So, um, but it's all about Jesus, which is great. And I guess you could probably do a year, couldn't you, or two or three on yeah. Jesus. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, jumping in with that. Um, We've got a primer. Yeah, let's see so that. Let's see what this talks about. In just three years, Jesus changed the world. He transformed the way we think about religion and created a space where everyone was welcome. In the first 90 days of 2024, we are going to look at those three years, following Jesus through his most significant events, conversations and encounters. So, as we journey towards Easter, let's create space to not only learn about the historical Jesus, but also meet the risen Jesus. Hello, again. So I'm going to put this blind down because this affects um, the camera for our online service. Let me just put that down. Otherwise, I end up a silhouette, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but uh, there we go. It is great to be here to start 2024. And start a new series, 90 Days. Anyone know why it's called 90 Days? It doesn't quite work this year, but any idea? Oh, 90 Days, yes. 90 Days till it's actually 91 this year. Every year's different. But uh, that's the name of this series, 90 Days. And uh, I'm really excited about this. I just thought, we usually we do every sermon series is, is a month, and we have a different one every month. I thought, let's just spend three months looking at Jesus. And alongside this, we've been encouraging people to do uh, a series of readings called Essential Jesus. Now, to confuse things, there are 100 readings, but uh, never mind. Um, and I know that quite a few people have uh, started on the 1st of January reading this. We only, this. Unfortunately, this book is out of print. We managed to get hold of seven copies. I think they all went last Sunday. But if you do happen to have 
one of these at home because I think the church did it a few years ago. And if you're and you're and you're able to access the online version, uh, then please drop it into church and we'll give it to those that can't access the online uh, version. But it's, it's really just exciting as we start this new year to spend some time not only reading our Bibles, but to read and learn about Jesus. So over the 90 days, we will be following Jesus through some of his most significant events, conversations, and encounters. From his introduction to the world, to his sacrifice for the world. And why? Well, there are two main reasons, really. Um, here's a, um, some statistics from a report that was done uh, just in 2022, so it's very recent, called the Talking Jesus Report. It's an amazing report, but I'm just going to show you one uh, question. They're asking, what do people think about Jesus? And this is what people said. It says, 20% said, God, Jesus is God in human form who lived among people in the first century. 25% said that Jesus was a normal human being. 33% that he said he was a prophet or spiritual leader, but not God. 4% other, I don't know what that was, and 18% said don't know. Now, I find it incredibly encouraging because almost 80% of people in this report, and this is a kind of a slice, this was done professionally, um, so this gives us a good indication of a slice of, of the UK, almost 80% believe that Jesus existed. It's just that question of who was Jesus? If he was an historical figure, was he mad? Was he wise? Was he a prophet? But was he actually God? So we want to spend some time learning about Jesus and who he said and who the Bible says he was. But also something really, really important. This is the next slide. Every five years, we have a mission statement as a church. And we're kind of launching this statement, this, um, this series. And our statement is that hopefully we want to equip people in in HBC, in Holy Baptist Church, so they will be engaging with people from all walks of life with a confidence to share Jesus. And we're going to be doing numerous things over the next five years. We're going to equip you guys so you feel increasingly confident to share Jesus in word and deeds with people in all walks of life, friends, family, work colleagues, it doesn't matter. But one of the key things you need to be able to know to share Jesus is you need to know Jesus, know about Jesus and experience Jesus. So we want to start this off by going, let's just look at Jesus and see who he was. So I would really encourage you today, but particularly in this series, to grab a physical Bible. Now, I don't know whether I'm just old-fashioned, but I think, I mean, I, thought I have the Bible on my phone. Put your hand up if you have a Bible on your phone. Yeah, most people do. Incredibly useful. The apps are free and you can access the Bible anyway. Very convenient. But I believe, at least for me, if I want to get a real grasp of the Bible and where everything is in relation to each other and how it all fits together, having a physical Bible in my hands is not essential, but it is, I find, very um, helpful. So I would encourage you. There's Bible. We always have Bibles just at the back. There's Danny there at the back. Wave, Danny. And there are Bibles there for you to use. They very rarely get used, and yet they're there. So if you want to grab one, quickly go and get one uh, now. 
And we're going, I'm going to just read a very short prayer. And this is a prayer that was in, uh, I think, day three or four of our Essential Jesus readings. Very short and very simple and very straightforward. But here it is. Dear God, I'm hungry to know you better, thirsty to experience you more. And that says something really key. We're not just knowing about Jesus and learning about Jesus. We want to experience Jesus. We want to experience God more through reading our Bible every day and through these sermons. So we're going to turn to John chapter 1. The words will appear on the screen, um, which is very helpful. But we're going to look at John uh, chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 19 to 29. And just to set the context here, uh, these are the four Gospels, the four stories. Gospel means good news. It's the good news about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John, I would say, is kind of the advanced gospel. So you get the stories from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They've all got their different ways of doing it. Uh, Matthew's very Jewish, goes into genealogies. Both Matthew and Luke have the Christmas story. Mark, on the other hand, doesn't. It just gets straight in there, bang, 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 all the way through, very quick, very exciting. John is like, okay, so you've heard those stories. You've heard about Jesus, but let's, let's think about what they actually mean. And if you've read, ever read um, the first part of chapter one, it's just an amazing bit of writing about, of theology and poetry about who Jesus was. So I'd encourage you to read that, but we're not going to read that this morning. We're going to read from verse 19. The context is first century Palestine. It's a hotbed for um, radicalism, radicalism. They were a country that was occupied by the Roman Empire. In fact, Israel seems to spend most of its time occupied by whatever empire seemed to be uh, big at the time. And this time it's the Roman Empire. And so there's lots of people who want to fight against the Romans. There's also a huge sense of religious fervor. Because there's this idea that Jew, the, Jew, the nation of Israel is in a pretty bad place. And this is the sort of time that they needed the God to step in. This is the sort of time that the Old Testament promises that God will step in. So there's an expect expectancy that God is going to show up and do something. So they have lots of people coming uh, in, on, on the scene claiming to speak for God. So that's the, the, the sense we get. But this is verse 19. It says this, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Now, this is straight away confusing because we're reading from John's gospel, but the John here is not the John who wrote the John's gospel. So we've got John the author, who was um, John's son of Zebedee, one of the disciples, in fact, probably one of the closest disciples to Jesus. So that's the John who wrote the book, but he's writing about John the Baptist, who was someone completely uh, different. Now, just to say a little bit about John the Baptist and who he was, he, if you could imagine a crazy religious person, you've probably got a good picture of what John the Baptist looked like. He wore um, clothes made of camel hair, which not only will I imagine would be itchy, but I would imagine would be rather smelly as well. He had a leather belt tied round his waist. His diet consisted of locusts and wild honey. So I think he probably would have done well with Bush Tucker trials. And he lived in the wilderness. So pretty much a strange kind of guy. But he was preaching a message of repentance. He was saying, you know, turn back to God before it's too late. The kingdom of heaven is upon us. 
basically he was walking around with a sign that said the end is nigh on it. That was the sort of guy that John the Baptist was. And in this particular context of religious further, people flocked to John. They went out to the wilderness. They went out to the desert to hear what John had to say. And he was baptizing people. A baptism of repentance, a baptism of preparation, because they're expectant that God was going to do something. Now, it's very easy for us to think, well, he's a bit of a snake oil salesman. You know, he's just a bit of a smooth talker. But actually, our Bible is very clear that this was a special guy. You can read in Luke's gospel, which comes before John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can read at beginning in chapter one, the story of how John the Baptist came about. His mother and father were from the priestly tribe. Zechariah was a priest. There's Zechariah and Elizabeth were his mum and dad. And they were getting on in years. They'd never had children. And it wasn't going to happen, really. They were, they were past that stage of life. But then God steps in in the miraculous way. An angel comes to, uh, to them and promises them a child. And, and John the Baptist is born. And in Luke, um, Zechariah, his, his dad, I'm not going to go into the whole story. I'd recommend you read it. We often read it at Christmas. Um, he says this. He says, and you, my child, you can imagine him holding John, his newborn child, his, his child he never thought he would have. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. So the Bible is quite clear. This is not some con man. This is a special person that we need to pay attention to. And obviously people knew it because they flocked to hear what he had. So the religious authorities at the time decide to investigate, decide to check him out. Uh, so Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. The Levites, they were kind of, um, they'd support the priests. Uh, sometimes they'd act as policemen. And they were there to really um, assess John the Baptist's genuineness. Who was this guy and was he really genuine? And I asked him these questions. And he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So who are these three people? Messiah, Elijah, and if you go back one, uh, Elijah, Messiah, Elijah, and prophet. Who are they talking about here? Well, Messiah, these are all characters, people that were promised in the Jewish scripture, which we call the Old Testament, that they would turn up when they were needed the most. And this is, as I said, there's this real sense that this is, we needed them. We they were in a mess. Israel is under a state of occupation. We need God to turn up. So they were expected that these three characters would turn up. Messiah literally means anointed one. And it's Someone descended from the line of King David, which is like their star king, would come and would be a liberator, a peacemaker, and a unifier. That they would make Israel great again. Elijah, on the other hand, was an Old Testament prophet we can read about uh, in the Old Testament. He was a miracle worker. He was a great leader. He was a defender of the faith. And interestingly, Elijah didn't die he was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. And there's this idea in Malachi, if you have your Bible, the very last verses of the Jewish scriptures 
in Malachi, which he was a, a minor prophet. He spoke the word of God to the nation of Israel. It says this in verse 5 to 6. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So expecting God to come. It's going to be great and dreadful, but it's going to make Israel great again. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the hearts of their children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. That's how the Jewish scriptures ends, about 500 years previous to this. And they've been waiting expectantly for Elijah to turn up, a precursor to the arrival of the Messiah. Then lastly, the prophet, not just a prophet, but the prophets. Who are they talking about here? Well, probably one of the most important guys in the Old Testament was Moses. Moses, who um, helped bring the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He was the first leader of the nation, nation of Israel. He was a lawgiver. He was a leader. He was a rescuer. And in Deuteronomy, Moses says these words and really held on to this. It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. So once again, they're waiting for Moses to return. So these three characters, Messiah, Elijah, and the prophets. They go to John the Baptist and say, which one are you claiming to be? There was always some person claiming to be one of these things. And what does John the Baptist say? None of them. I'm not any of them, which must have been incredibly confusing for them. But instead, he says something that probably doesn't mean a lot to us, but to those people who were listening and to those priests and Levites, this would have been incredibly um, provoking. He quotes from Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is probably one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. He spoke the word of God. He ministered to the, ministered to the nation of Israel. Um, during that, before, during, and after them being defeated by the great Babylonian empire, and loads of them were taken into exile in Babylon. And Isaiah spoke God's word into that situation. And John the Baptist quotes Isaiah from chapter 40. At the beginning, uh, it's the first, second section of Isaiah where Isaiah wants to speak hope, God's hope to the people who are living in exile. And John says, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord's. This is God offering hope to the exiles and speaking of a time when God would return to Jerusalem. His season of hiddenness would be over and God would now be visible and accessible. So John is saying that time is coming when God is returning to Israel. But we go on. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. For those of you who don't know, so we've had the priests turn up and the Levites. The Pharisees were another religious group in Israel at the time. Probably not as politically powerful or rich as the priests, but probably more popular and influential. They were like a holiness movement. They were all about keeping God's law and helping others to keep God's law as well. And they want to know who the John, Baptist, John the Baptist is. They question, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? In other words, what on earth are you doing this for? 
because you don't seem to be claiming to be any of these people. And John answers them, I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, this is the key point I want to make here, probably out of the whole sermon. As far as John was concerned, he was merely a voice pointing towards Jesus, the Messiah, the Liberator, the Savior. He wasn't about to claim for himself some amazing status. He wasn't the prophet. He wasn't the Messiah. He says he wasn't Elijah, which is interesting because actually Jesus and our scripture says actually he was representing Elijah. But John the Baptist wasn't about to claim that because it wasn't about him. It was all about Jesus. Everything he said and everything he did was to point people to the coming Messiah. The one he says whose sandals he wasn't worthy to untie. As far as John was concerned, he was nothing compared to the one who's going to be coming after him. Now that really got me thinking because... I don't know if many, probably many of you are like, like me. I was born into the church, not quite literally. I was born in a hospital, but pretty much from the moment I was born, I was attending church. I had parents that went to church. We grew up. I love the church. I know everything there is to know about the church. It's, it's ingrained in me. It's part of my culture. It's part of who I am. I love the church and I want to see it prosper and grow. And that's one of the main reasons I'm a church minister, because that's what I have a passion for. But I become increasingly aware, and I don't know if it's the same for you, maybe it isn't, but it is for me, that I can become very passionate about the church. I can get passionate about what we offer. I can get passionate about building us, us a good reputation with our community, growing in numbers, all these sort of things. And I forget to be passionate about Jesus. I forget to be passionate about Jesus. I want us to be successful. And maybe some of you have come here because we do a because of a particular person or a particular style of worship or a friendly welcome or even the cakes that we have before and after the service. And although all of that is necessary and important, it is nothing. It is worthless compared to Jesus. Jesus is the point, and without Jesus, this all is pointless. We must, and this is why we're spending three months looking at Jesus, keep in mind that we are here to point people to Jesus, to not only know about Jesus, but to know and experience Jesus and to welcome Jesus into their life. And if we ever lose sight of that, then we need to question what is it that we are doing and why are we here? And likewise, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, and if you're not, you're off the hook, but if you are, then your life should also point people to Jesus. You should be imitating Jesus in word and deed that 
And I find I can be really, really bad at this. Because ultimately, I want to build myself up because I want to be noticed and appreciated. I want people to like me. I want people to recognize me. I want people to see good in me. But that's not what John the Baptist did. He diminished his status in order to point people towards Jesus. That was his purpose. That was his calling. Now, I'm not saying that we need to start wearing camel coats and living in the wilderness in order to point people towards Jesus. But I challenge you to think about your life and the way you live it. If you are a follower of Jesus and think, am I pointing people towards Jesus? What does that mean for me? What does it mean for my life and my context? And I'd, Maybe you need to think about that and pray about that. We've got one more verse to finish, to read before we finish uh, our passage. It's verse 29. It says, next day, the next day. So he's had all these visitors. He's claimed not to be the Messiah or the prophet or, the, or Elijah. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At last, in John's gospel, we catch a glimpse of Jesus, the one that this gospel is all about. And what John the author wants us to have in mind as we read this whole gospel is what Jesus, not only who Jesus was, but why he was there. So he records the words of John the Baptist, look, the lamb of the world. Now, I mentioned Moses rescuing the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And I'm not going to go into the whole story. It's in Exodus, if you want to read it. Um, just start from the beginning of Exodus and work your way through. But we have this thing called Passover, which is celebrated every year by the Jewish nation, where God sent a spirit of death over the, nation, over the whole of Egypt. And in order to not be, have all their firstborns killed, they took a, a, a lamb, they sacrificed it, and they put its blood over the doorposts, and the spirit of death passed over. And then to cut a long story short, ultimately that led to the nation of Israel being sent away, freed from slavery, and walking towards a promised land given to them by gods. John, the writer in his gospel, unlike the other three gospels, he places Jesus's crucifixion and death on the afternoon that the Passover lambs were being sacrificed in the temple. Why does he do that? Because he wants to make it very clear right from chapter one and until we get to the end that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Jesus is a sacrifice that rescues us from slavery, not to Egyptians, but to sin and darkness. That, John is saying, is where this story is going. And this is the lens that I want to offer up as we explore the story of Jesus, the person of Jesus between now and Easter. So yes, we can study a historical Jesus. I'm all for that. And we're going to be having various conversations online. You can look at on YouTube uh, with 
experts about who Jesus was historically. We can look at his moral teaching. Jesus was a moral teacher. We can read a Sermon on the Mount and things like that, and it's a good code to live by. We can perhaps view him as a prophet or a wise man. But the Jesus that the Bible offers, and that I believe and we here believe and follow, is the land that in some strange and unfathomable unfathomable, uh, way, has I can write it, but I can't say it, um, has saved you and me, along with everyone from slavery. That if you are willing and open, you can not only know about Jesus, but actually experience him. That by his Holy Spirit, he can enter into your life and your heart and bring about transformation. You can be part of a cosmic story that will bring you meaning, purpose, and identity. So join me on that journey. Grab, well, you can't grab that book, that's mine. Um, but go online. Uh, uh, did you put, there we go. That's, that's the uh, QR code. It's on yours as well. Um, it's um, an app as well. If you've struck, few people have been struggling with this. So put your hand up if you're actually doing this. Okay. So if you're struggling, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. If you're struggling, quickly look and find someone that actually is doing this. Uh, and and to ask them, what do I need to do? Because uh, hopefully they'll be able to help you. Okay, but there's some questions I just want us to uh, reflect on before Ian and the worship group come and they continue to lead us. Some questions. Who do you say Jesus is? Wise man, prophet, or God? Does Jesus make a difference to your life now? Do you want him to? Do you feel challenged to live a life that points people to Jesus? Helen, Stephen. Uh, uh, we're back. <laughs> oh, we had Helen for a minute. I don't know what she was saying. <laughs> uh, that was good. It's a good start. Yep. So there we have the first of uh, well, it's be the first of three months, and um, I like the questions I've got to say because twenty-minute sermon. But I thought if you read the three questions, to some extent, you get the whole of the sermon. The first question about who do you say? Jesus is, and and he went through all the people in the Bible, you know, who who they said he was, and yeah, the yeah. rest of it, um, and ended up with um, John saying he's 
the land of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, the idea that he was a prophet or... Yeah, and that's an interesting because I, I think when you talk to people now, some pe most people would agree that Jesus lived. Yeah. I think there's enough historical evidence that Jesus lived, isn't there? Yeah, you know? apparently more evidence than there is for Julius Caesar or something. Oh, I don't I know what it is, but yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, but, yeah. um, and, and, that, and, that, and other, other religions will recognise Jesus as a, a wise man or a prophet or... Um, but it's just yeah. the fact of taking that extra step that John was declaring, yeah. isn't it? That, yeah. You know, that yeah. He is actually yeah. the son of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, we, we, and it's because the other thing that I've often heard said about, you know, it, was it either where it talked about Jesus being a, a bad man. So because he said he was the son of God, actually, he couldn't really have been just a good man because he would have been lying and leading people on. Yeah. Yeah. So he was either sort of yeah, really, really good or. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it yeah. bad, um, bad man, mad man? Or son of God. Yeah, uh, yeah. Technically, you're three options. Yeah, yeah. He can't just be a good person. No, because he'd have been lying all that. Yeah, because his claims would have been yeah, yeah, out, yeah. absolutely outrageous. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. what was the second question. The thing that I really liked, not to do with the questions, the bit I liked was Martin, and I can fall into this trap really easily, saying we can get um, very busy doing church things. Maybe not quite what he says, but we can get passionate yeah. and excited about programs and events and. Yeah. Um, you know, and what we're doing and what we're putting on, and how, and actually, we forget that the thing we should be really excited about is Jesus, and all those other things are just vehicles and uh, and ways of introducing people to Jesus, and we can we can forget that. Absolutely, it sounds terrible. It sounds a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah. And you are replying to the second question, oh, which is, does Jesus make a difference to your life now? Uh, uh, do you want him to? Yeah. So, yeah, it's does he actually make a difference to you, or is it just you say just activities and normal life with him in yeah with him in the background yeah which is very easy to do it's, it's easy yeah. to be busy isn't it it's easy yeah. to be busy yeah. doing things about god yeah and not actually yeah and um, they're still the first two they're still the easy easy questions yeah, so the, What's the, hard one? the third question which makes is um is uh do you feel challenged to deliver life that points to jesus yeah and um, points people to jesus yes points yes yes yeah. yes absolutely and, and and that is a challenge isn't it well, at least for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he believes that Jesus is God and Jesus is central, and you know, then we should be pointing yeah. people to Jesus, yeah. and you know, and our lives yeah. should be reflecting that. And yeah, you know, I guess a lot of us think John, um, John the Baptist, who spent his whole life pointing people to Jesus, is there, and um, somewhere down here. Yeah. Um, um, but but you know, I, I think we can also make the mistake sometimes of thinking we're just terrible. We're actually. Um, Jesus does use us to point people yeah. um, towards him. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so just take a moment and think about yourself. You know, just those three questions is, who do you, is that, that, that great line where Jesus turns to Peter, I think it is, and says, yes, but who do you say I am? Yeah. And, it's, and it's, we can also talk about what everybody else says, but, you know, the question is, who do you say I am? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where the essential Jesus fits in really nicely into this. Yeah. Um, because I know I said you don't have to do the first seven if you've missed them, or first six, whatever. But actually, they, they do quite well at putting Jesus in, into context yeah. um, before we start looking at the life of Jesus, putting Jesus into the context of the bigger story. And there was, we did um, the Garden of Eden was one day this week, you know, um, yeah. talking about sin and why Jesus needed to come. Um, so I really would encourage you um, yeah. to, 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 you know, to, get, to get into that. Um, if you were looking in yours, there's actually a link in yours if you've got the the copy on your screen or in Daz's article there's not there's a little link where it says click here so you can do it that way say or do just email us and we'll let we'll let you have all the links to everything yeah. um but it's it doesn't need to be complicated martin said people are struggling with it it's, it's not difficult it's you know it's reading the bible yeah 
Yeah, and we can just send you the passages. Too. And once again, if you know Angie and myself, just give us a ring, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. we'll, we'll we Angie will set, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll set you up. Let's speak to you about this. Um, good, right? Yeah, um, just uh, yeah, yeah. So, if you've got any questions about anything from this week, just do drop us a line at gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk. There is on the screen, and we will get back to you. Um, if, if you've enjoyed this morning, if you think this series is a good series, you might want to share it with somebody else. Um, if you think someone else would be interested in joining in, yeah. um, share the podcast, share the online. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Point people towards Jesus. And I've got to say, if you find it difficult to do it yourself, then um, um, then um, get them to do the readings and let them find out for themselves. That was today's episode of Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Holy Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Holy Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.